is because when your man of God or the woman of God that God has put in your life begins to speak and they start saying such things as thus said the Lord, you need to listen. Amen. You see, the people of Nineveh, listen now, let, let, let's get something straight here. The people of Nineveh were wicked because God didn't send Jonah to a good city. God didn't send Jonah to a city where there wasn't no sin. God sent Jonah to Nineveh because Nineveh was out of control. But listen, when the man of God finally got there, listen, let's be honest and show the truth real quick. Even the man of God had a problem listening to God. That's why he went to Joppa. Because even sometimes us as pastors and preachers and teachers, every now and then we get hard-headed and stupid too. Amen. But I'm glad that Jonah finally did come to his senses. And listen, the man of God, the Bible is implying here that the man of God spoke one time and an unruly, a sinful nation said, you know what? This man of God is right. And one drawback that we have, which I was warned about it at the beginning, because when God put it on my heart to open Sabbath rest, I know one thing I already knew by being in Christendom is that church is cliquish. Church folk will cut you off like a bad habit. So I did so that Sabbath rest would be accepted in the Christian community of Port Arthur. I went to a lot of the senior pastors in this church. And I explained to them that God has put it on my heart to start a church here in Port Arthur. And I want y'all favor on that church. Amen. And all of them, every last one of them I went to, and I went to a lot of them. Because I didn't want no problems. Because let me tell you something, word of mouth can kill you in a community. They tell me that word of mouth is the best advertisement. You don't have to buy a commercial time. Just get a lot of people talking about what you're doing. But one of those senior pastors in this town, and I'm going to give him kudos, Reverend Vaughn, Reverend Vaughn was, was honest with me. He said, Jack, let me tell you something. He said, pastoring your family and your friends is the hardest pastorship you'll ever have. Because they only going to know you as poops. They only going to know you as daddy. They only going to respect you as husband and cousin and nephew. He said, pastor and family is hard, son. He said, but you got my blessing. So we see even Nineveh, even a stiff-necked, arrogant city, when the man of God spoke, the people listened. Did you catch that in verse 5? Yeah. So the people of Nineveh believed God. But watch this. Who did they hear the message from? God or from Jonah? Jonah. That's right. So I'm encouraging you, church. When you got a man of God standing in front of you who's trying to be the best that he can be, Amen. you need to learn how to listen. Amen. They got folk that can be here today, but they lazy and trifling and they choose not to be here. Hallelujah. Amen. You done been to the nail shop. You done got your hair done. You go to the grocery store. You go to work every day. You going everywhere you got to go. But then when it comes to church, I'm scared of coronavirus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Now those who locked in and quarantined for real, I respect them. 
For those of you who going everywhere you got to go, but all of a sudden church is off limits, we talked all day today about God moving his hand away from people and letting them get some lumps on their head. Amen? Amen. Well, lumps here they come. <laughs> Verse 6, he said, For the word came unto the king of Nineveh. He, he, he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. So not only did the people <clears throat> listen to the word of God, the king of Nineveh listened to the word of God also. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Everybody went on a fast. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is why Jesus understood when we got to the New Testament, Jesus understood when his apostles, when the apostles went to him and said, Why could we not cast out these demons? Jesus said that some things takes fasting and prayer. Hallelujah. If you've been praying about something in your life and it seems not to be able to be eradicated out of your life, I want you to throw some fasting in there with that prayer. Amen? Because sometimes prayer ain't enough. Sometimes we need to show God just how serious we are. Sometimes we need to afflict our bodies. How many of you understand that that's what fasting is? Fasting is afflicting your body. Fasting is telling our flesh to sit down and shut up. Quit talking in my ear about drinking. Quit trying to make me smoke every day. Quit trying to get me to watch Housewives of this city and that city and every other city. Stop and leave me alone. You're trying to talk to yourself so your flesh can be quiet. Every now and then our flesh is talking too loud. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you in here can't even sleep at night? Because your flesh won't shut up. Your flesh won't leave you alone. Your mind won't start running. That's because you are, in, you are uh, uh, at uh, unease with your life. There's something going on inside of you. There's some turmoil going on, and your flesh won't leave you alone. Every now and then we need to be able to talk to our flesh. And when you can't get it done through prayer, you add a little fasting in there with that to afflict the body. Verse 8, he says, but let man and beast cover with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let them turn everyone from, uh-oh, y'all reading this with me? Let us turn from our evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Now, one of the reasons that Pastor Vaughn told me that this is hard to pass the family and friends is because we know each other. I'm going to put my glasses on as I make this challenge. And one thing about us knowing each other and going to each other's houses, we know how each other live. And some of us are here as mean as rattlesnakes. Oh. Hallelujah. Folk can't even have a decent conversation with you without you going off the heaven. Hallelujah. God has said we need to turn from our evil ways. <coughs> See, the American church got you hooked thinking that your evil ways is you smoking. Honey, you might as well quit smoking as long as you're going to be mean as a rattlesnake. In other words, you need to learn how to deal with what's going on on the inside of you. Because what is it that's making you so mean and so violent to where somebody just trying to have a decent conversation and you got to fly off the hammer? Folk can't tell you good morning without you ready to have an argument about it. Morning, ain't good, it's cloudy outside. Amen. God, listen, no, I'm 
saying this because see, some of us think we on safe ground, and it ain't what you take. Jesus said, it "Ain't what you taking in from the outside that's defiling you." It's all that old mess that we try to squash down inside of you. You ever seen a trash can running over? And we go up to the trash can, I'm lazy, joking, I want to take it out, so you smashing the stuff down. Then the trash can gets so full, now you got your foot up there trying to smash. This is what we're doing inside of our lives. We're not cleaning the trash out of our lives, we're just trying to smash it down. But how many of you know that when you smash it down, it's just like a, a, a powder keg ready to blow up soon as somebody say the right or wrong thing? God is saying that we must change from our evil and our wicked ways. Somebody say amen. Amen. From the violence that is in their hand. We live in a violent society, y'all. Somebody called me the other day. They say, Pastor, I had to put my religion down. And I let them go on. I let them vent. I let them get it out. And we was getting ready to hang up. And I told that person, I said, wait, let me, let me tell you this one thing. I'm going to straighten this up before we hang up. Honey, God don't play that. You don't never put your religion down. God ain't something that we put down and pick up. Now, you might still go off on some folk every now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Every now and then, folk push the right button and make us go off. And you be the told them how the cow ate the cabbage. And you be the cussed and you be the said some words you didn't want to say. But don't you ever think you put your religion down and you was just a cussing Christian. All right. A hallelujah. But, but don't play with God like that. I put it down. See, that'll get you in trouble. Yeah. Amen. You mess around and go to. Let, let me stop. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I said I was going to be better in 2021. Yeah? <laughs> Amen. So then we get to our punchline, verse 9, and he says, Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? In other words, the people realize, listen, God giving us a chance, y'all. Let us go ahead and pray to God. Let us put on sackcloth and ashes. Let us go into a fast. Because God may just honor when he see us trying to be righteous, when he see us living for him, he may just relent and take away this punishment that he's willing to put on us. How many of you know there's been several times in the Bible where God was ready to punish his people? Hmm. But thank God for a spokesman, huh? Amen. How many of y'all remember he was ready to tear up uh, 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 God's people in the wilderness? But hmm. Moses was a spokesperson. Hallelujah. And Moses was a prototype of Jesus because what Moses did is when it interceded for the people. And I want to say this and I'm going to move on because I have to be honest about scripture. When Moses went, stood up and, and had God relent from punishing the people, actually not punishing them, he was ready to kill them all. The Bible never implies that the people stopped murmuring and complaining. They just had somebody who was willing to stand in the gap for them. Hallelujah. Amen. So every now and then, the congregation can still be running rapid, out of control, doing living life in any kind of way. But when you got some folks standing up, when you got somebody that's praying for you, hallelujah, when you got somebody that's standing before God saying, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Amen. Father, they love you. They trust you. That's God. You see the blood of your son spilled on them, Father. You got an interceder. You got somebody that's standing up for you. Hallelujah. In the course of that last verse, the Bible says in verse 10, it says, and God saw their works. Hallelujah. Amen. And that, <laughs> and that they turned from their evil ways, and God repented of the evil.
that he had said that he would do to them, but he did it not. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, how many of y'all was paying attention Wednesday night when I was reading in Zechariah and the people had to come to the conclusion? Y'all remember that in Zechariah? Yeah. They said, you know what? We've been wrong and everything God said he was going to do, he done done it to us. And it's all our fault because we did not change from our... Yeah, I don't know if y'all was paying attention Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zechariah chapter 1, the people had to admit God said he was going to get us. We didn't turn from our wicked ways, and you know what? God got us. And the church, the church in America, need to stop this. Oh, you know what? Let me go to these next verses real quick, because I want the Bible to speak for itself. I'm, I don't want to talk about this. Let's go to uh, Zephaniah. Let's go to Zephaniah. Zephaniah, he ain't far from Jonah, so don't go too far. He ain't, he ain't far from Jones, toward the back of the Bible, but they ain't far at all. You probably only grab about five, six pages. Let's go to Zephaniah chapter one. Because see, this is the mindset that the people of God is in today in America, and it ain't the people's fault, it's the pastor's fault. I'm gonna say it again. It's not the people's fault that they think in this way, it's our fault that the people think in this way. Well, I'm not, I'm not blaming myself that I don't teach pancake messages. I don't make you. I don't make you walk around thinking that you're okay with God. Hallelujah. Anything you do, God, God, God will accept that mess. I don't teach that. Now let me show you what the problem is. Y'all in Zephaniah? Let's look at Zephaniah chapter 1. Let's read verse 12 together. Everybody ready? Read. And, and it shall come to pass at the time, time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency. In, com what? in complacency. On in their complacency or their leisure, he says that say in their heart, the Lord ain't gonna do nothing. You see that? You see, you see what the society is saying? That's why ain't nobody scared pooping. The pastor's making everybody think everything is okay. Well, honey, you can live like that. We live it by grace. <laughs> Paul asked this question. Paul said, shall we keep sinning so that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. God forbid. But the church today in America got folk thinking that God is going to put up with anything that you put out there. His grace is going to cover. And I'm not preaching against grace. I'm making a distinction of what grace really is. Let me, let me, let me do it this way. Paul had to start teaching about the grace message because he was combating Judaism with all their rules and laws and regulations. So he was telling the people that it's not by circumcision, it's not by Sabbath keeping, it's not because you don't eat pig that you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven because God's grace, God loves you. Hallelujah. Let me, let me bring it on up to 1517 because one of the big teachers of Martin Luther against the Catholic Church Martin Luther had to start teaching against grace because the Catholic Church had started teaching the people that they could buy things, that's indulgences, that they could buy things and that'll give them salvation. Yeah. They started telling the people that the Pope was supreme. Don't worry about God because the Pope is God. Hallelujah. Well, Martin Luther had to come back and enhance the grace message telling them, no, you don't have to buy a baby breast from Jesus. You don't have to buy a Jesus baby bottle. You don't have to go worry about something called purgatory. Hallelujah. This is what the grace message is all about. The grace message is trying to teach people that the church cannot establish rules and laws and regulations to get people saved. The grace message is not to cover because you stupid. Hallelujah. You stiff-necked. You arrogant. You want to continue to walk in against God. 
Grace don't cover that. Hmm. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's, let's make sure we keep the grace message in its context. Amen. Because what the American church is doing, they making people think what the people in Zephaniah's days, I'm going to read it again. Amen. Verse 12 in Zephaniah chapter 1 says, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search out Jerusalem with a candle. I call this looking for you in the daytime with a flashlight. And punish the men that are settled in their leisures. Deacon Bible says in their complacency. How many of you know that too many of us are complacent with our relationship with God today? Amen. That's why you should try everything in your power to make sure that you're in the house of God on Sabbath. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But we got well-minded, healthy folk. Ain't nothing wrong with them. They have been everywhere they wanted to go all week long. And they chose not to come here today because you complacent in your relationship with God. And you think that God got to accept your sitting at home when you can be at the house of worship. Amen. Hallelujah. You ain't got to say amen with me. I'll get in trouble by myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we too complacent. We sitting at home in our leisure. Okay? So watch this. This Old Testament scripture says that it's going to come to pass at that time. Let me show you what God showed me. Because I already know. God told me. He said somebody going to say that it was just talking about the Old Testament. Come on. Let's go to 2 Peter. Because it's a mindset that we're in. It's a mindset that we're in. Your life, your life tore up from the floor. And every opportunity you get to stay away from God, you, you pick staying away from God. Instead of coming into his presence, trying to get some knowledge, some education, some blessing, some anointing on you. Hallelujah. Come on, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm talking about repenting and revival. And some of this stuff going on in our life, he says that we got to institute some fasting with our prayers. Our lives have become too easy. We're too rich. We're too comfortable. How many of y'all know that if, 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 if another Hurricane Harvey comes or this, this cold weather that's coming tomorrow, if it wipe everything out, and I ain't talking about just for a few days. How many of y'all know the church is going to be full? Mm -hmm. See, when people start having problems, they start coming to God. But as soon as their problems start falling away, that they start falling back away from God. I have made it up in my mind that neither height, nor death, nor powers, nor principality, nor demons, nor spirit, nor anything is going to keep me away from God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to do everything that I can, not just because I'm the pastor. I can be the lowest person in the church, which there actually is nobody that's the lowest person. But I can be the lowest person. I can be a regular pew member. I don't have to sing in a choir. I don't need to be playing the piano. I don't have to run the sound. I don't need a job to get me down here to the house of God. I, what I need to get me here to the house of God is my knowledge and understanding that I'm a sinner. Hallelujah. That I need an that I need somebody interceding for me. That I need Jesus in my life. I need God's anointing in my life. I need to be covered by God's power. That's why I come down here. That's why I 
I wake up in the morning. It don't matter if I wake up late. I'm coming to church. It don't matter if I wake up sick. I'm coming to church. I'm going to do everything in my power. Because God has done everything in his. Y'all in 2 Peter? Yeah. Come on, let's start right at verse 1, chapter 3. 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 1. Everybody ready? This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir you, your pure minds, by way of what? Reminder. Remembrance. Now remember, Pastor used to say it like this. The only thing that we have to feel for the future is what? To forget what God has done for us in the past. So with the writer, what Peter is doing here, he said, I'm going to bring some stuff to your remembrance. Amen. Verse 2, he says, that you may be mindful of the word which was spoken before by the holy prophets. Uh-oh. In other words, now listen. He's telling them, we still need to be listening to what the holy prophets said. And, then, and when, you know who he's talking about right here, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jonah, Amos, Habakkuk. Come on, I can name them all. He's talking about these prophets that we've been reading about. And he's still, in his day and time, telling them that you need to listen to what the prophets say. Then look at what he says too. And of the what? The commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen to what they say in the Old Testament and listen to what we say now in this new dispensation. Verse 3 says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after what? Their own lusts. Verse 4, And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, they saying Jesus ain't coming. Where's his coming? So we might as well live how we want to live. How many of y'all know they got church folk that think like that? Mm -hmm. We may as well live how we want to live. I go to church. I call myself a Christian. I even send a little money. But I, this ain't real. How many of y'all know this is real? I can tell by your presence in the day, you know this is real. Hallelujah. When folk, when folk do everything that they can, yeah, I woke up, it was a bad morning. Yeah, me and the spouse had an argument. Yeah, the kids was running around the house acting like they're crazy. Went outside the car, acting like it didn't want to start. Came down the highway, had police everywhere. Got stopped at every red light. But you know what? You still came. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Uh -huh. It was all type of reasons that you could have stayed at home this morning. Hallelujah. But you still came, ain't that right? Amen. And I'm not just talking about the people that, that got to come here to Sabbath rest. I'm talking about those who are supposed to go to somebody's church tomorrow. Don't you let nothing stand in your way. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I'm not advising that any, I'm glad the storm coming Monday, because I'm not advising that anybody drive on that ice. Amen? Amen. But, but I thank God, hallelujah, that we got a clear day today. Amen? Amen. And we got folk in here who did everything in their power to make sure that they were here today. Hallelujah. Because this is the house of God. The Bible says in Luke 4, 16, it says that Yeshua went to the synagogue every Sabbath as his custom was. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see, now I showed you an Old Testament scripture and I showed you a New Testament scripture where the people got in their mind because watch this. Let me, let me, let me keep reading. Let, let me show you what the problem is. Verse 5. For this they are willfully, come on, they are willingly 
they are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heaven of old and the earth standing out of the water, standing out of the water and in the water, thereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. He's talking about the Noah's flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, hallelujah, by the same word of God, are being kept in store, reserved unto fire against the last day of judgment and perdition for ungodly men. And that, that men right there ain't talking about the male species, it's talking about humanity. Verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now look at this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some people count him slack. Mm -hmm. See, the reason they think God ain't going to do it is they count him as slack. And let me straighten something out real quick about this thousand years in a day. He's not trying to prove time at all. What he's saying is, is that it can happen at any time. In other words, God is not concerned. God does not run on chronos, yeah. which we call a watch. The real name of a watch is a chronological piece. Chronology, time, the counting of time. God don't run. What he's saying that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, God don't run by the tick-tock clock. Hallelujah. So people always try to say that this, this scripture means this and no it don't. It simply means what he's saying is, don't you see that? Let, let's attach it to the, uh, let's make sure we attach it to verse 7. If you attach it to verse 7, you'll understand that he's talking about judgment day coming. And what he's saying is, judgment day, don't you worry about when it's going to come because nobody knows. Because to, to God, a day is, don't try to count days and times. Let's read verse 9. The Lord is not uh, slack concerning his promise, as some may count slackness, but God is long-suffering toward us. Why? He's not willing that any of us should perish, but that we all what? Should come to repentance. Should repent. So a lot of folk got it in their mind that it's okay. I can live how I want to live. That's what the church teaches. It ain't, it ain't y'all fault, it ain't the congregation's fault. Because y'all gonna only learn what I teach. Unless you're going home studying for yourself, amen? amen. So if somebody, if, if the congregation not understanding the Bible right, it ain't their fault, it's my fault. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want the Church of Sabbath rest to know that God expects you to give your all. Amen. And when... <laughs> What did I say? Uh, I gave my best, but my best wasn't good enough. And that's when God's grace kicked in. Amen. When after we tried our best, and our best just wasn't good enough, Lord said, "Don't worry, baby. I'm gonna carry you the rest of the way." Amen. But He's not gonna pick up us up and carry us when we're not trying at all. Amen. Everybody understand? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So we come. Deacon was all in my sermon this morning, but I got to read it because it's the best part. And if you notice when you look at God and all the things that God is doing to reach out to his people. And God reaches, he's been reaching out to his people for many millennia now. 
And each and every time when the community and the society get out of hand, God has to do something to bring it back under the control. When Adam and Eve got out of hand in the garden, he didn't kill them. Ain't that good about God? But he did put them out of their house. In Genesis chapter 6, we read where the people of God was out of control in Noah's days. It says that their imagination was wicked continuously. But Noah found favor in the sight of God. And when you look up that word favor in the Old Testament, it's the same Greek word that we use for grace. Charisma, charisma, charisio. It all has to do with charisma. We use the word in America, charisma. That word means grace. And I looked up the word for favor in the Old Testament, and I looked up the word for grace in the New Testament. And I searched and I searched and I searched. How did this song say, Deacon? Searched all over. I searched all over. <laughs> but I never found where the word grace, any definition, primary or secondary, I never found a definition for the word grace that meant forgiveness. And that's the way they teach it in America. See, they teach it that grace is God's forgiveness, but it's not. It's God liking you. It's his unmerited favor towards you. But just because somebody like you, don't think that they have forgiven you. Hallelujah. Not one time was the word, was the definition of grace, forgiveness. Keep grace in its context. Hallelujah. And throughout each and every dispensation, we see that God to his people, even in the wilderness, in, in Moses' days. We see that God was still reaching out to his people when he had to place King David on the throne. We get into the books of Judges, and we see that God, through Judges, he didn't have kings and queens, but he had Judges over his people, but that was God reaching out to his people, through people. Even in Jesus' time when Jesus walked the earth, God sent his only begotten son into the world that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God was still reaching out to his people. And I'll tell you, even in our lifetime right now, that God is still reaching out to his people. I'm so glad that God is a God of the second chance. He wants to comfort his people. He said, comfort ye, oh comfort ye my people, Israel. Speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her welfare, her warfare is accomplished. That her iniquity is pardoned. Somebody should say amen right there. That God has forgiven, he has pardoned their iniquities. For Israel has received the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Isn't that good? That although Israel was a sinful nation, they were so sinful that God had to put them in captivity. But when he got them out of captivity, he says that they're going to receive his hand a double portion for all of their sins. 
Haven't you heard? Don't you know about God? He's the everlasting Father. He's the Lord God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. Faint not, neither be weary. There is no searching and understanding of God. God gives power to those who are faint. And to them that have no might, God will increase our strength. Even the youth faint. Even the young people are becoming weary. Even the young men are beginning to fall by the wayside. But I want you to know today that if you are the remnant of God, the Bible says that if we are called God's people, if we are those that wait upon the Lord, that we shall renew our strength, that we shall mount up on wings of eagles, we shall be able to run and not get weary. Amen. And we should be able to walk and not faint. And he says that we would mount up on the wings of eagles. And I want to tell you a little story about an eagle real quick. The eagle, when he's teaching his babies how to fly, the eagle will climb up to the highest point on the mountain. And the eagle will take off with his baby on his back. Because the baby knows that if he want to learn how to fly, that he got to mount up on wings of eagles. And as the mama eagle is flying, she's teaching her baby how to navigate through the air. And this is what God has done for us through his son Jesus. If we're having problems in our lives, if we're becoming weary and heavy laden, Jesus said that we should cast all of our cares upon him. Hallelujah. And for all of those that are weary and heavy laden, he said that we should come unto him and he would give us rest unto our souls. And I know living in this society that we're living in right now, that there's problems going on all around us. There's murders, there's killing, there's disease, there's degradation, there's violence all around us. Every TV show we turn on is violent. All the music that our children is listening to is vile, yeah, hallelujah. But I want you to know today that we have a savior, somebody who is ready to carry us along the way. Whenever life is getting too hard, we gotta jump on Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. Whenever life is becoming too complicated, we gotta give it over to Jesus. He's the propitiation for our sins. He's our substitute, hallelujah. When you're in trouble, he's a lawyer in a cold room. When you're sick, he's a doctor in a sick bed. He's my shield, he's my butler, he's my fortress, he's my friend when I'm friendless, he's my mother when I'm loveless, when I'm motherless. He's a brother that sticks closer than a brother. I want you to know about Jesus today because that is the propitiation that God sent into this world that by him we should be 
saved is through the blood of Jesus that we obtain salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He's a wonderful counselor. Yeah. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the rod of Jesse. How many of you know that he's my redeemer? He's my rock in the weary land. I'm talking about Jesus. Mary's baby. Hallelujah. I want you to know that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, circumcised on the eighth day, lived a sinless life, let those mere men put him in a bar tomb. But early on the third day morning, I'm so glad that Jesus got up with all power in his hands. And when he got up, he killed death. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your power? Jesus walked this earth for 40 days in front of men, women, boys, and girls. And he ascended up into heaven. They tell me that he rode up on a cloud. And he's sitting at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and I. But there is a day coming where God is going to be that had enough. Enough of this foolishness going around on earth. There's going to be a day when God is going to get tired of us killing 623,000 babies in the womb. There's going to be a day when God is going to get tired of all of these things that we're allowing on this earth. And on that day, that great, grand, and glorious day, God is going to send his son back to this earth with all power. Hallelujah. Somebody shout power. Wow. Jesus is coming as our redeeming lamb. He's going to gather God's people up and we'll spend glory with God forevermore. I don't know about you today, yeah. but I want to see what heaven is going to be like. Jack, I want to see if the streets really made of gold. I really want to see if there's a sea of glass. I really want to eat from the tree of life. I want to be able to cast my crown at his feet. Not saying anything that I've done, but all I want to do is say, holy, 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 that my God, he is holy. And I thank him for Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you thank God for Jesus? Because if it had not been for Jesus, we would still be walking in our sins. If it had not been for Jesus, we would still be draining the blood out of bulls and goats. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would still be in the old covenant system. But I'm glad, hallelujah, Amen. that God loved us enough that he said his only begotten son. I'm glad about it. Maybe someone today who needs to say yes to Jesus. Make him the Lord of your life. And the song is say, tell him all about your problems. And he is the answer for all of our problems. But we have to accept him first. So there may be one who's never said yes to Jesus. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. That you would give your life to God. That you would become part of God's family. I won't lie to you and tell you it's easy. Because when you become a Christian, you become a target for the devil. Just as Job went to heaven and Job said, I couldn't find nobody to mess with. God said 
Have you tried my servant Job? Mm -hmm. This is when becoming a Christian is. When we live for God, there will be problems. I'm glad that we're on the same team as the problem solved. Amen. His name is Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach. Is there one who needs to be saved today? This appeal is for those who've never said yes to Jesus before. Who've never said yes to God before. We want to pray with you and pray for you. Father, it is in the wonderful name of your son, Jesus, God, that we come. God, we stand in intercession right now for some man, woman, boy, girl, who for the first time in their life realize and recognize that they need a Savior. That without a Savior, God, without a propitiation for our sins, Father, that we would have to go through the degradation and the turmoil that's going to happen on this earth. So, God, we come praying right now for that one that may be standing with their hands raised in the air. And if that's you, I want you to repeat after me right now so that you may obtain salvation. Father God, I thank you. Thank you. Father, I love you. Now thank you for allowing me to be part of your family. I confess my sins right now. And Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart, God, that you raised him from the dead on that third day. And you said if we would do that, God, that we would be saved. So Father, we thank you for salvation. Be Hashem, Yahshua, Hashem. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There may be someone who needs to rededicate themselves to God that you have been saved, but you slipped back. And I think in my heart right now that this year that we had physically been coming to the church, that it is making it easier now for folks to stay home and just send their money. But I want to encourage you today to rededicate your life to God and get on back in the household of God. Amen. This is where the power is. Yeah. The Bible says that he had Moses construct the tabernacle to David and Solomon, I'm sorry, to Solomon to build the temple because that's where he would meet his people. You are the priest of your home, but God is the head of the church. Amen. You need to be in present. We want to pray for those who, as the old folks say, who have backslid. If that's you and you want to rededicate yourself, we ask that you would stand at your feet right now. We want to pray with you and pray for you. Father, it is in the name of Jesus that we come. We pray for those, God, who are in their complacency, God, who has become uh, comfortable with sitting away from you, Father. But we ask right now in Jesus' name that you would dispatch the Ruach HaKadosh, God, the Holy Spirit, Father, that you would touch them right now, God, that you would re reignite that fire that's in them, God. Fan the flames, as you say in your words. And have them to know, God, that this is where they need to be. That they need to put you first, Father. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer of rededication. Father God, I thank you for allowing me back into the family. Not that I was ever out of the family, God, but I've, 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 I've fallen farther away from you, God. So I ask right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would draw me back closer, God. 
I do confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I do believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. So salvation can be ours. And we want to live a same life. So God, we thank you. We love you. We trust you. We honor you and you magnify you. It is in the name of your son we pray. The Hashem Yeshua Hamashiach. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us stand out with you and prepare for you to Amen. God is a good God. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, we love you, we trust you, we honor you, God, and we're waiting on you to come and get us. But Father, we're going to tarry, God, as we wait for Jesus to come. So God, as we prepare to leave this place, but never from your presence, we ask that you, you allow your Holy Spirit to rest, rule, and abide with each and every one of us, both now and forevermore. And let all of God's people say amen. 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 And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.